Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. Indiana Against Incarceration, or IAEC, is a new statewide coalition of formerly incarcerated people, scholars, and other community members has formed to oppose the state's use of electronic monitoring, or EM, to detain people in their homes, known as incarceration, while they await trial or are on parole. Formation of the organization is timely because a recent Indiana Supreme Court ruling mandates an end to bail in the Hoosier State starting in 2020. As a result, critics of the criminal justice system expect EM and incarceration to be on the rise in the state. If the public allows EM and incarceration to replace bail and jail time, those practices will perpetuate the system's racism and criminalization of poverty, as bail and jail do. The answer is to release people on their own recognizance. IAEC thinks that people should be able to await trial and be on parole at home, free of EM while in contact with their communities, families, and jobs to prepare their defense without restrictions and expensive electronic monitoring. This week, we hear a talk by H.H., who spoke recently at the Bend the Bars conference in Lansing, Michigan. H.H. shares his story, including the inside scoop on the Kinross prison uprising of 2016 and its aftermath. H.H. also reflects on the importance of inside-outside coordination, along with thoughts on which methods are most successful. Here he is. First, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about me. I went to prison when I was 17 years old. Uh, I'm now 48, about to be 49. I got out nine days ago. I became an active participant in my incarceration, fighting against my incarceration about 18 years ago. I studied the system that I was in uh, intricately. So in order to know your enemy, you have to know his strategies, his tactics, and since they give them to us through policy and procedure and hands-on experience, uh, I took advantage of it to learn as much as I could about it. I can guarantee you that the system doesn't know that you all exist. They don't know that you exist at this magnitude, at this level, with this much passion and intensity to fight this problem, but they will after this, I guarantee it. Uh, I, I learned from listening to you yesterday that uh, I severely underestimated the trauma and the, and the sacrifice that you guys go through. Uh, and I want to apologize for that now, <laughs> right? Because you guys sacrifice a lot. You guys give a lot of yourselves. and. Uh, Sometimes while we in there being babies and whining, uh, we uh, we fail to recognize that. And it's important that we do. You know what I mean? Because it helps you. It lessens the burden on your fight. Uh, and that's one of the things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about bridging the gap between out there and out here and the ways to do that. Sometimes it's hard because they censor everything that we do. They censor everything that we talk about. They set up a system on purpose so that they could hear everything that we communicate with you about. Uh, they limit the people that we can talk to, your, your nephews, we were talking about this in the family caucus today, but your nephews and nieces, minors are no longer your family. They're no longer your immediate family in the MDOC, in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Uh, they can't even come up to visit you and things like that. So they try to cut us off in every kind of way possible from receiving help. The Safety versus Turner Act, which restricts our ability to sue 
uh, the grievance procedure, which is a farce. We can get into that, and I'll tell you all about it. Uh, uh, it's a lie. It's only meant for them to be able to get an in-depth look at, at, at our issue and how we're going to present it, how we're going to fight it, so that they, when, when it's time to come for us, they don't never tell us what they fight is. They don't never give us their rebuttal. They just tell us grievance denied at step one uh, in, not in a timely manner. Uh, so they get an in-depth look at what we're going to say so they can prepare adequate defense at the end. But in that same vein, uh, who you, you complaining, you complaining, we were talking about this earlier, you complaining to your abuser about abuse. The grievance report, it doesn't work. Uh, there's a lot of carceral systems that set up. We were talking about, uh, Ben, uh, we were talking about uh, strategies and things like that. And I was saying how they flew it. They flew it because through policy and procedure, a warden, they got an administrative rule for a warden. A warden can enact an operating procedure at his leisure. So if you do come up with a strategy that wins, it's going to win once. And then they're going to create some bureaucratic red tape to make sure that you can never win it again. So we have to be fluid and, and, and quick with it and, and, and always trying to find, don't never get centered on one strategy. You know what I mean? Don't never believe that it's going to work. We fight an animal, you know what I mean? We fight an animal that does not want to lose and it has all the power. We in this kingdom, right? So never get stuck on, you know, what strategies work and what strategies don't because one moment they will and one moment they won't, right? But they won't let it. We fight in a, a corporate power, big money behind it. It's like telling the NRA, you know what I mean? Hey, man, we want you to stop selling guns. You know what I mean? It's impossible. It's how they make all their money. You know, so we, we can't complain to them. We have to find ways to fight them. And in order to do that, we have to have a firm understanding of each other, right? The gap between inmates and, and society, you know, and, and this fight in this community, as far as the fight goes, uh, we have to have a knowledge of each other. We have to have a knowledge of what each other is doing, how you're doing it, you know what I mean? A comprehensive knowledge so that if we can work together because when we're in disarray, right? We can't win a war if, if one of the armies is in disarray, you're losing. Anybody read The Art of War? <laughs> no, you're going to lose. You have to be organized. You have to be strategic. You know what I mean? So one of the ways, one of the things, I was involved in the 9-16. Uh, I was persecuted as one of the leaders of the 9-16, I mean the 9-9-16 the Ken Ross incident. In that, uh, I heard somebody speaking on it the other day, and uh, I believe it was this young woman right here. She was saying that uh, the communication, or, and, and Ben, they were saying that the communication was off in there, you know, the inmates didn't know what was going on at particular times or whatever. There was a reason for that. Ten, they say seven out of ten Michigan prisoners is rats. They were working with the administration. It, and I'm not, I don't blame them because they up under such a strict thing where they break, they fold, you know, it's inhumane. You know? And to get privileges and things like that, they break, they give up, you know what I mean? So it's three fighters in there out of ten, right? And it's over 40,000 prisoners, you know what I mean? So we had to keep it. We had to make it where they didn't know until the day of. What we did was was foster the the, the the perception of unity, the idea of unity through a thousand different means. I wasn't in the NAACP, but I was the president of the NAACP. Just because they give the NAACP a place to meet. They give you a place to meet three times a week. So we utilized that, and I became the president of the NAACP. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we created a, 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 a leadership council. They brought together, and we went and got the gangs. The young brother from New York was talking about the gangs. We went and got the gangs, 
uh, and brought them to the table and, 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 you know, we instilled in them a mindset, of idealism about fighting against the true enemy. You know what I mean? We had to do that in order because we can't win this war by ourselves. And we had to, when you fight in a war, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you're in a boxing match, when you, when you want to go to a boxing match, you train the fighter, right? When you fight in a war, they train the soldiers before they send them off into the war. So we had to train them, right? And, and still a messaging of, hey, we can't let anybody know this. We hid who the leaders really were uh, on purpose from the inmate population. So we didn't get persecuted, even though I did get persecuted. I got ratted out at the end. But hey, it's okay. And I want everybody to understand this too. Uh, we all gonna have to make sacrifices, right? One of the things that we understood in there was, hey, they could find us out. It's a probability they could find us out. We have to be willing to accept that. And we were. Lucky for me, you guys were here. So we, we knew that that would happen. So I don't want you to think that this is going to be a victimless fight, right? And, and that, we have to search out people. When you communicate with people that's inside, you have to search out people who understand that fully, right? Who are willing to do it. Just like you out here and you're willing, you're sacrificing your time, your lives, your finance, your equipment, everything. You know, you're sacrificing some of these things uh, in a war. There's going to be some casualties. You know what I mean? We have to be willing to accept it. It's a harsh reality, but we, we fight in a war. You know what I mean? Uh, and the people that you communicate need to understand that. They need to understand that you guys are not here cry to take on every little whim they have. You know what I mean? Let them know, even though you're fighting for them, you're fighting. You know what I mean? You're fighting from out here. Let them know your pressure. Let them know what you're going through so that they know what they can put on you and what they can't put on you. It's important that that occurs because you don't want to give them a false sense of security either. And they, because a lot of guys involved in our incident heard that we had the National Lawyers Guild wrote some guys and said, uh, you know, we with you on this or whatever. Them guys went to thinking, oh, we got a lawyer team. We got Johnny Cochran in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and we, we're straight so I can do whatever. And they went to <laughs> trying to challenge the administration and lost horribly and lost horribly under a false perception. You know what I mean? So we don't want false perceptions. Then you have to be, you have to screen carefully who you communicate with. You know what I mean? Some guys have ulterior motives. I'm just being honest about who we are in there. You know what I mean? So to help you too, because you guys do a lot and I don't want nobody taking advantage of you guys either. So you have to screen carefully who you communicate with and make sure that they're competent, intelligent enough to fight this fight. You know what I mean? And, and you'll know. You'll know because you guys know policy and procedure. And if you don't, you can get them online. You can look them up. You know what I'm saying? You can look them up. So you'll know what rhetoric they feed you. I want us to be able to win. I, I, I want us to know that the, the fight is important that, that we have this gap, that we have this bridge, because we have to fight this monster from the top down and the bottom up. They have to fight from inside because you have acts that say we have to exhaust all our remedies. You have to file one step, one step, two, and step three before you can even go to judicial review or to try to take it to legislation at all, right? We have to do that. I'm gonna give you an instance. Well, at one time when they put me in a hole for the Kim Ross riot, they gave me a sheet. One sheet. That's all I had in my room for 27 days. Uh, I could have wrote a grievance. I could have wrote a grievance and I would have put them up on my defense or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And they would have been able to lie. They would have been able to figure out a creative way to come up with a story on why that happened. So I didn't. I reached out here and I asked people out here to call in top down, bottom up. When they called in from up there, they had no time to defend against it. They called from the top, and then the top said, we're coming down here to check it out. Miraculously, the next morning, my counselor ran down there and said, I didn't know you were living under these conditions. And he gave me stuff that you couldn't even have in the hole. So sometimes call-ins work 
You know what I'm saying? Sometimes they do work. I'm not saying that they work all the time. I'm not here to give you an end-all remedy. I'm just here to give you what I can from my experience. But I, I, I've been studying it. You know what I mean? I've been on the ground studying it. Not only from maps and, and, and different people. I was given information books. Abolishing the Cultural Society, the first civil right, uh, incarcerated crisis. So I studied this because I planned to come out here and fight this. And I wanted to be able to give you a perspective from the inside that would be helpful in your fight on the outside. A few things that I, I was hearing, hunger strikes. I heard about hunger strikes. I want to tell you why hunger strikes, why they, they, they win against us in hunger strikes. First, they don't give a damn if we go on strike. They don't care if we die, right? See, it's fact, it's proven. A bunch of people are dying. A bunch of people are dying. Everett Dyson Bay just died in his cell at night, just died. Without help, Bunky told his people, Bunky told the officer, hey, something wrong with my Bunky. Midnight shift, laid back, nobody wants to do anything. Woke up in the morning, he was dead. It got national attention because he's the brother of Michael Eric Dyson. He's the brother of Michael Eric Dyson. They, they slipped up and, and, and let his brother die, and he has a national platform to scream out against, right? But that they don't care whether we die. But another thing they do for hunger strikes, when you go on a hunger strike, they consider you suicidal, so they put you in bam bam and stuff like that. When they consider you suicidal, right, they, they can desensitize everybody to your plight because they can say you're insane. Even if you say, hey, I'm doing this to take stance and resistance, they, they labeled you suicidal. You see what I'm saying? So they not, this, these the rantings of the crazy man, right? They have, this is how creative they get with the ways to combat everything that we do. And once, you, once people are desensitized to it, it's over. Right. Another thing that I want to address when we speaking on things that occur, we should always try to be as accurate as possible. Always try to have the exact information and the right information. If we don't, they can discredit us. If they can discredit one thing, they can discredit all things. Right. They can make everything we say from that moment on seem like it's false. That's why we have to be careful who we communicate with, because a lot of inmates want to win so bad that they try to come up with stories that will make them win. Uh, so they lie. They'll lie and say, yeah, if I just say this, then they'll be stuck. They don't really think it all the way through. When we're in our emotion, we don't think it all, we lose rationale. We don't think it all the way through. And they'll lie, and if they can prove that that's a lie, it ends everything. It ends every fight. We lost the fight from that moment on, so we should try to be as accurate as possible. Reentry is the new flower child for the MDOC. It's their new baby, right? And it's capitalistic motivated anyway. So many corporate, private companies are investing in reentry, are funding all the reentry programs, right? So they divert all funds from prison. Yeah, they letting us out. On the face of things, it looks like they letting us out. They letting us out from behind walls, but they putting ankle monitors on us. They putting us under house arrest. You see what I'm saying? But they still giving money to the corporation. They divert it. They say that they want to close down prisons and end this mass incarceration. That's the guy, the Prison Reform Act. It's a trickle-down effect from the prison reform act. So you see a lot of people in the states, even though it doesn't affect the state at all, you see a lot of people from the state get the trickle-down effect. You're getting commutations now. We've got commutations like never before. I've never seen it before. We're getting some of the most people with the worst records in the world getting commutations now, right? Because they want the appearance that the First Step Act, the Reform Act, works. They want us to believe that it works, that it's doing something, they're doing something about this great cry that we're saying that's gaining national attention. They want us to believe it works, but they just diverted it so that they could divert the funds to private corporations. 
the brother who just spoke, talked about privatization. I believe that if you attack the money, I don't care what happens. When you attack the money, the machine falls, right? If they can't maintain the machine, the machine falls. So all the outlying things around prison, mass incarceration, all those who funded and supported the women who were talking earlier about the detention centers, uh, the immigration detention centers, how they attack those who support it, those things work. Those things work because when they start to lose money, they all of a sudden flip sides. You know what I mean? Those things work. We fighting, uh, I mean, we fighting a humongous monster. Uh, there are going to be a lot of things that, uh, that we're going to lose at. You know what I mean? We have to be willing to accept that. And we have to celebrate every small victory. Every small victory because it's a, we chipping at the tree. We chipping at the tree. Eventually the tree will fall. I want to talk about reform versus non-reformist reform. Uh, to me, I, I call it, I don't call it reform versus non-reformist reform. I call it relief versus freedom. Because with brass tax, that's what it is. Right? It's relief versus freedom. They were talking about should we, if Bernie Sanders posed the question of Bernie Sanders, should we... Donald Trump signed the first step back. How many of y'all was against Donald Trump when he was signing the first step back? Nobody. <laughs> right? We were for that. You see what I'm saying? Even though we can't stand Donald Trump, right? We were for him signing that first step back. We worked with somebody who was our enemy, for real. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes we have to do that. Well, however, what's done in the science has to be undone in the science. Right? You don't dismantle a thing. Right? We can't dismantle a thing. We want to abolishment says, and I'm for abolishment. Don't get it twisted. I'm for abolishment, right? But we're not going to just abolish prison. That's a long, stranded process that's going to have to occur. And in that process, it's going to take so long that there's some people in there who suffer. We were suffering in there, and I want everybody to understand that. We were suffering in there. Food, health care, like, they go beneath the minimum just to stay in the bounds of the law. Beneath the minimum on all these things. Right in there, we suffering in there, and there's some people in there who got long, indeterminate sentences. Right, uh, reforms work, and they work for guys who got short term. Right, they was gonna let them out anyway. But you got some people who still gonna be in there for years and years, who, who, who fighting for their lives right now to get out of there, who need relief. You see what I'm saying? So we can't be all the way against some reforms. Uh, I read in uh, abolishing the carceral society that. Uh, non-reformist reforms were any reform that enhances the possibility of freedom. You see what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm for that too, but I'm not against something that allows this guy to get a proper meal either. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make prisons better because you can't. There's no such thing as a good prison, right? But if I can help, if I can make it humane where somebody ain't won't die because of what's going on, you see what I'm saying? Somebody won't suffer because of what's going on then I want to do that until I can abolish a prison. You see what I'm saying? So we shouldn't be so strict in our politics. You know what I mean? Because just like we have to be fluid in our strategies, we have to be fluid in, in our health. You see what I'm saying? We have to. Or if we don't, if you stick, if you do it one way, if you do it where you're just strictly for abolishment and you don't care about any kind of other reform, that's inhumane too. Because you're saying, I'm going to ignore all the other stuff that's going on until... Abolishment occurred. You see what I'm saying? But while we're waiting on that to occur, people are suffering. The same people that we say we're here to help. And we have to be crafty in how we choose to do it. Now, I'm not for anything that extends prison, I don't want to do. Any reform that extends prison or makes prison possible to, to stick around, I don't want to be a part of. It. You see what I'm saying? 
But if it'll help those who are suffering in there, I want to do it. Pole barns right now is a good issue to attack. Pole barns were built to be temporary housing facility. They were built to hold four-man cubes. Right now, every pole barn in Michigan holds eight people. Every pole barn in Michigan right now is overcrowded. It's not up to standard. It's not up to code. Every one of them, and if we call attention to it, hey, if they close, if they make it where it's in regulation, that means half the people in pole barns have to be placed somewhere. And they ain't got no room to place it. So that means those half, however, wherever it comes from, those numbers are going to be released. Those numbers are going to be released. So it's a good issue to attack right now. Food. Our, our, a lot of people talk about the food situation. The MDOC, I'm going to tell you something that the MDOC is trending toward and what they're doing. You had MDOC bringing private companies for food. Airmark, uh, Trinity. You had them bringing all these private companies for food. The MDOC is using these people. They're using these people long enough to learn how they ran that. So they can create an MSI version of it. They said that now they say since they ended Trinity and Airmark privatization and gave it back to the state, things are better. I don't know what made people believe that, right? Was it who we gonna complain to now? The state, whenever Trinity or Airmark messed up, they were fined by the state. They were fined. The state most definitely loved to find them because it got money. They got money from it, right? Who's gonna find the state? The state. Food went worse when the state took it back over. But they left Trinity and Airmark there long enough so they could learn a way to do it to save money because Trinity and Airmark was a corporation. They were in this thing to make money. They were in this thing to make money. The state left them there long enough to find out how they were making money and capitalize off it. Everything that's going on, GTL, all these things, you'll see in the next five years, the state owns. The state will have their own version of it, right? They entrenching themselves in carcerality. They entrenching themselves in it right now, right? Under the guise of reform, under the guise of all these things. They are not getting weaker. They're getting strong because they learn. Like just like we sit here with all these think tanks on how to fight, they think they they sit there and think these ways on how to combat us. Right? And they got a lot of money behind them and they got all the legislation behind it. But when I say what's done in the science has to be undone in science. I know a lot of us ain't for government and things like this, right? I'm not either, right? You see what I'm saying? But this is the society that we live in, right? And the sad fact is everything through here is done through legislation, right? We're either going to win it through through court, through a court case, and we might change some things for a minute. But legislation is powerful, and that's just the truth. Legislation is powerful. Legislators, right? We need to make them pay attention to us, too. We need to make them hear our voice because they have to do what we say because they want our vote. They want our vote. You see what I'm saying? So we have to create lobbies, right? They cater to the industrialists. They cater to the car companies. They cater to all of them because they got unions, right? That all say we voting this way. They all voting that way. They all voting that way. So they cater to whatever they want. So sometimes we're going to have to use that power. If it's a power that we're not using to end it, can we truly say we want to end it? We can't truly say we want to end it. If it's a power there for us to use to end it or to knock it down a little bit and we don't use it, we can't really say we want to use it. Now, I'm not saying, now, there might be some people in here who are going to come say, well, HH, what about this? What about that? I haven't thought this through exhaustively neither. These are just my thoughts, right? <laughs> These are just my thoughts. So I don't want you to be like, hey, no, I'm against him. I'm against him. I'm open to, you know, this is just my thoughts. It's my perspective. If somebody else can enhance that perspective or show me some better ways to do it, I'm open for that. And I'm not trying to offend nobody else's either. I don't want you to think I'm saying, hey, because I've, 
I'm saying this, that I'm against you. I'm never against you, right? And we should ever be against each other because of a perspective or a political stance, right? We should always be open to communicate, to better each other, to enhance each other because it makes us stronger. There's a saying, united we stand, divided we fall. A house divided cannot stand, cannot stand. Now we got a thousand different battles going on on a thousand different fronts. The, the, the immigration detention thing for the children. Uh, I'm gonna give you a little bit more about me. I was raised in the foster care system. My father was killed before I was born. My mother was in and out of prison my whole life. So I was raised in the foster care system. The immigration detention centers sound exactly like it. And should I, she informed me yesterday that this is one of the things they use to act like it's a, it's a beautiful thing, it's harmless. It's like foster care. Well, I'm telling you this. I don't know why they call it foster care because there's no care fostered there, right? Right? It's, it's the worst system in the world. So if it's like foster care, we need to dismantle it. These are children, right? These are children. I'm even more for the children now than I am for prisons. I'm, I'm serious because this this is still like they, 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 they can't protect themselves. So somebody has to protect them and we need to help this woman get this done. We need to get involved in each other's fights and not get so caught up. I've seen so much... He was talking about the organizations in prison. I was uh, what they call the Grand Sheep, uh, one of the organizations, one of the biggest organizations in that mug for probably 20 years, right? Uh, I seen so much nicely in activity, so much infighting, right? And it really destroyed us. It really destroyed us. We lost power with the infighting because of politics, because of power struggles, because of jealousy, envy, hate, right? We got to lose these things. We got to lose these things. I don't care if part of persons. I'm for the cause. Whatever your politic is, whatever your stance is on who you are, your sexual orientation, I don't give a Right? As long as you're for the cause, I'm with you. I'm not trying to be in your personal life. I believe everybody should have the freedom to be who they are. Right? There's a million people in prison who are just like everybody in this room. Who are just like everybody in this room. Whatever's in this room is in there. And we have to fight together in there. So we have to fight together out here. We can't be divided in our fights, right? We got a lot of intelligent people in here, way more intelligent than me, way more informed than me on these issues. Say it's the saying said intelligence rules the world and the ignorant carries burden. Right? If we don't use our intelligence, you see what I'm saying? If we don't use it, because with intelligence we can win this thing. There are a lot of different people from diverse backgrounds, diverse job, diverse orientations, or whatever, who have something to offer. I created a network, uh, and I think we all need to do this wherever we're at, whatever state we're at. We need to create a network with not so much, it's going to end up being with the people incarcerated, but with their loved ones, right? Because that's how we filter information. That's how we get information out and in. If they control the narrative, we through. We through. The biggest thing that the, the DOCs all over the world can't stand and the biggest power that they have lack of transparency. They, they're not transparent. If we can expose, if we can bring to light any of these things that they do, we win. We win. They hate it. They hate it. I mean, we can romanticize this. We can fantasize and say, hey, man, we're going to end all prison. You see what I'm saying? And that's cool. That's cool to have as a goal, but it's a long-term goal. We have to understand what we're fighting against. We have to be real with ourselves about what we're doing. You see what I'm saying? So, like small victories, that's what I mean about small victories. Small victories in there gave us so much hope that we continue to fight. That we continue to fight. Every time they called in or something, they relieved pressure on one of us in there. It gave us confidence. 
It gave us confidence to continue the good fight. You see what I'm saying? So we need to, everybody victory, whatever it is, we need to celebrate it humongously. Bonfires and everything. You see what I mean? So that like, because it gives people confidence to make people feel good about what they're doing. And it's important because you guys get drained out here. Like I'm looking at some of you. Some of you guys did so much in the last two days, you got to be tired. You got to be about to fall out on your feet. You know what I mean? And it's amazing. But at the same time, man, we need to celebrate these people. We need to give them some kind of reward because they're selfless and they ain't going to accept. They ain't going to say they don't want it. You see what I mean? But we have to give it to them. We have to let everybody else around us see them get it. So today they'll say, hey, okay, if I, if I do this, I can feel good about me. You know what I mean? I, at least somebody will celebrate me. You know what I mean? Because this is a big fight we fight. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.